1: That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. It's Monday, September the 9th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. I'm joined in studio by our political editor, Pat Leahy, who arrives hot foot from government buildings, where he saw the first meeting between Taoiseach shock Varadkar and UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, described afterwards in a joint communique as a positive and constructive meeting. What was the vibe up there, Pat?
0: Oh, I thought it was positive And constructive, Hugh. Um, Well, uh, it was cold and miserable and uh, and rainy for much of the hour and a half that we were standing around waiting for the... uh the arrival of, uh, of Boris Johnson. It was all business when they arrived. Boris bumbled out of the car and...
1: Uh, Made some comment about the assembled press.
0: He did, yeah. It was picked up on the microphone. He gestured towards the uh, press and remarked to Leo uh, uh, about how uh, how well-behaved we all were.
1: You must have been delighted to hear that.
0: We were, of course, yeah. yeah. Well, we take compliments where you can get it in this game, Hugh. Um, in my experience, they <laughs> don't arrive terribly frequently. But... Now' to be serious about it um I'm always wary, as you know, about interpreting body language and so forth, but insofar as it told us anything, they seem to be reasonably comfortable uh, uh, well disposed towards one another um, Some people I've been talking to uh, since the meeting suggested that that was the uh that was also the atmosphere when the two men met they met for half an hour. Uh, just the pair of them, and then they met for a further half an hour with their delegations. Um, Leo Varadkar had a famously difficult relationship with Theresa May, albeit that the two of them got on with what business they could do. They didn't hit it off personally, or whatever the opposite of hitting it off personally. Is that uh, important at all? It's not decisive, but it can lubricate... Relations between um, between leaders, if they get along personally, it makes things easier. It won't solve anything in and of itself, but it does make things easier. So you think about the relationship, the personal relationship, say between the likes of Albert Reynolds and John Major and Tony Blair and Bertie Ahern. Those things made the pe- made progress in the peace process easier, but they didn't achieve progress in the peace process on their own. So the sense that I get from uh, government buildings is a fairly bland statement issued afterwards, as you'll have seen. The sense I get is that they are maybe slightly more optimistic that Boris Johnson is serious about doing a deal. Uh, I'm not sure what, if any detail he brought to the table Today, that would have fleshed out the sort of ideas that he has floated in recent days about what looks like a possible return to something like a Northern Ireland-only backstop uh, that was uh, that was part of the the, the uh, negotiations between the EU and uh, and and the UK back before the current all UK backstop was inserted in the withdrawal agreement. But I don't think anybody in Dublin is getting carried away. And one important thing that somebody said to me is that you know they do get the series that he, he, they do get the sense that he's serious about wanting to do a deal, but also that he's serious uh, that he's serious about uh, about no deal if that's uh, if that's what it comes to.
1: And we might come back to that in a sec. But let's just have a listen first to Leo Varadkar and what he had to say.
2: In my view, the story of Brexit won't end if the United Kingdom ends the European Union on the 31st of October, or even the 31st of January. There's no such thing as a clean break, or just getting it done. Rather, we'll just move on to a new phase. If there is no deal, it'll cause severe disruption for British and Irish people alike, not so much on the continent. And whatever happens, we'll have to get back to the negotiating table quite quickly. And when we do, The first items on the agenda will be citizens' rights, the financial settlement, and the Irish border. All issues which we had resolved in the withdrawal agreement made with your predecessor, an agreement made in good faith by 28 governments. But if there is a deal, and I think it's possible, we'll enter talks on a future relationship agreement between the EU and the UK. It's going to be very tough. We'll have to deal with issues like tariffs, fishing rights, product standards, state aid and it will then have to be ratified by 31 parliaments. Prime Minister, negotiating FTAs with the EU and the US and securing their ratification in less than three years, I think is going to be a Herculean task for you. But we do want to be your friend and your ally, your Athena, in doing so. And I think the manner in which you leave the European Union will determine whether that's possible.
1: So there's quite a lot in there, including the fact that I thought it was quite impressive. He packed quite a lot into uh, quite a punchy um, statement of the of, of the Irish position. Um, who's he addressing himself to there? I know he was technically speaking to the Prime Minister. That's the way the speech is. But is he addressing himself to the British people, the British media as well, the British political establishment?
0: Yeah, I think he probably. Uh, I think he probably is. I thought it was a pretty well-crafted and well-delivered statement uh, by the Taoiseach. He was pretty sharp in terms of the uh, uh, of, of um, two, two two points that struck me. Both the Irish determination to stick on uh, stick to uh, Irish requirements in any negotiations uh, that come over the next no- number of weeks, but also uh, he he was pretty. Clear And there was a slight touch of actually kind of lecturing uh, yeah, Boris heard, Johnson heard, more, more, more than a slight about, thought, about this, saying that, look, if there is a no deal, and this bemuses Irish officials and diplomats and officials in Brussels about the lack of penetration of this fact into the British discourse, that if there is a no deal, and this is what Farage was saying today to, uh, to Boris Johnson, then there isn't a clean break Unless the UK wants to continue trading on unfavourable terms with half of its export market, and that simply doesn't make sense, then they will have to come back to the table and we will effectively start again. And what Mr Veracker was reminding Boris Johnson today is that if there is a no deal and we come back to the table in the weeks or months to follow that, the EU's requirements about citizens' rights, the financial settlement, and a satisfactory settlement on uh, about, uh, about the, the, the Irish border, thing on the they so will, we're right not, they will not change. So we can deal with those now, or we can deal with them after a no deal. But if there's going to be a future trade agreement between the EU and the UK, which with and in the law of trade agreements is that size matters, and... The, the, the law yep. of, of economic sure, physics we all in, get in it. we all, all get this, this. we've been talking about you don't need yes. to lecture me at all
1: but but I was interested because he was essentially lecturing him there not in an insulting way or anything but he was laying out some facts and he was making no bones about the fact there was even something about it when I was watching it on the TV he was sort of Standing up straight, and he was several inches taller. And Boris Johnson was yeah. kind of shuffling around a little bit, one foot to another, you know, slightly shiftily looking around the place. Am I reading too much into that?
0: Ah, uh, you might be reading a bit too much into it, but certainly that's, I think, how it will have looked to a lot of people watching on uh, on television as well. That's how the pictures and the news will probably look. Now, it should be said that um, that the the T shock m- mitigated slightly this this lecturing element by saying, "Look." Ireland wants to help you with this. We want to be your Athena. Oh, indeed, we want to be your mid-80s poster shop uh, in this... Uh, You're a bit of this, a classicist. You can, you, you can enlighten our, oh, our listeners a as, to, as of, to the relationship the between Athens,
1: wisdom, Athena and Hercules, mm. who I think saved Hercules from madness. He was trying to eat his own children and Athena saved him.
0: Well, I'm, I'm. So it's an inter- it's
1: an interesting uh, simile.
0: I'm glad you can supply the footnotes. Uh, <laughs> to this is some years since my classical studies classes, but um, uh, but um, I, I, I think going back to the serious point is that Leo Varadkar said, "You know, we will be your ally in this, and the UK will need allies." Uh, in in future with the with the UK or with the, in its discussions with the or in its negotiations with the with the EU, but he wasn't moving on Ireland's requirements, and of course they come down uh, to the position on uh, on the border. I think what we can expect to see over the coming weeks is things will probably go a bit dark. Uh, I think there will be lots of contact between the UK and uh, and Brussels, and perhaps. The other member states, I think they would proceed on two general tracks. I think uh, there would be work done on, can a deal, uh, a new deal, whether it's around or- some form of a Northern Ireland only backstop uh, or not, can that be formulated uh, in time? And if so, can Boris Johnson, A, design for himself a reasonable chance of getting that through the House of Commons. And if he can, can he convince EU leaders that whatever deal they might be asked to sign up to can get through the House of Commons? Because unless they believe that it can, they're
1: not going to... And how do we we establish that? How do we establish to the satisfaction of those leaders that Boris Johnson can get a deal, if some sort of a deal hoves into view in the first half of October? How does he establish to the satisfaction of the leaders of the EU that he will be able to successfully pass that through Parliament?
0: With some difficulty, I would imagine, maybe statements or an indicative vote in in the House of Commons. We remember those were floated once upon a time as the saviour of Mrs May and it didn't exactly transpire uh, that way I simply don't know at this uh, at this remove how he would do that There's no
1: incentive, is there, really for a substantial amount of Labour MPs, which is what be, would be required to actually step across the floor at this point now, with the election looming around the corner one way or another, the issue, the letter instructing him to seek an extension, this would not be the moment he, I, I personally can't see how he can get a majority in the House, can you?
0: very difficult to see how he could do it now and I'm not sure he gave Irish the Irish government any great comfort about how he might do that uh, in, in the future but I think we have to be careful that this story moves so fast and events at Westminster are so febrile that what seems to be unthinkable now might well come into play within a couple of weeks. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, we were agreed that, less than a couple of weeks ago, before the events of last week, we were all agreed that Boris Johnson had seized the initiative and had the Labour Party uh, on the run. Now those positions have been completely reversed. So we know that Parliament is to be prorogued tonight, so the political action will move in Westminster away from Parliament to the press, into the media, perhaps onto the streets. And I I, I find it difficult to imagine that that won't exert some changes in the current... Because one of
1: the suspicions, and my God, there have been plenty of suspicions and conspiracy theories around the place about the game that was afoot here or one way that this game might play out, was that Boris Johnson would continue declaiming to anybody who'll listen that he's perfectly happy to go for a no deal uh, if that's the only way to get out on October the 31st and the clock keeps ticking on and on and on and on and then right up as the deadline re- is really looming he comes back with some slightly lipstick on a pig version of Theresa May's deal and terrifies the Commons into voting for that because the only other option is no deal but all... If that were ever true, it's been kind of thrown out the window by the legislation, uh, the Ben legislation which has been passed, doesn't it? All those dynamics have now changed. And and anyway, you're talking about having to have some form of expression of the will of Parliament um, more than two weeks before the 31st of October in order to make this thing work at the Council of Ministers.
0: I don't see how he could get concessions from the European Council without a high degree of certainty on the part of European leaders, that he would get that, uh, that he would get that deal through, because they've been once bitten or twice bitten, really, by Mrs. May in that regard, and uh, and I think they're going to be uh, commensurately shy about it. Aside from the fact that they believed uh, they might not have had a high. Regard for Mrs. May's political abilities, but they believed they in her him. sincerity, and they believed that she wanted to avoid a no deal because uh, it was uh, it would be enormously against the interests of her country. They don't believe the same about Boris Johnson. They don't trust him. They don't like him, and so they will not take. Uh, they will not take a, a deal. With him, they will not take his word for the fact that a deal, uh, uh, some sort of amended deal, can go through
1: Parliament. You say your, your contacts in the government are saying that yes, he is he's up for a deal, but he's also up for no deal. He is willing to look that prospect in the face. Now, we knew the latter of those propositions because he's blue in the face saying that with Dominic Cummings right behind him for the last <laughs> six weeks. It is, you know, it is the core strategic messaging of his yes. government and since, and since, been, since he, came since to he power. became. So the change here. Is all these little flags, all these little mentions left and right of you know of cross cross border arrangements of things that might be specific to Northern Ireland of the possibility for flexibility always around kind of Northern Ireland only uh, things. Now there's a long distance between that and a Northern Ireland only backstop, um, and getting from one to the other might well not you know m- might not happen. But is that the direction of travel?
0: I I I think it is if there is to be a deal and frankly i would have thought that the jury is out as to whether mr johnson is really serious about uh, 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 about getting a deal but if he is serious what he will do is he will produce uh he will produce realistic proposals to the governments i would be to the european commission and presumably uh to the irish government i would be surprised if we hear sight or tell of those Uh, if we get sight or tell of those, um, until five minutes to midnight.
1: Where is there any give on moving from a backstop, which covers all the the points of issue in terms of um, common regulation across the island of single market customs union, uh, no need for any checks on the border and so on and so forth, and a bunch of things around, you know, allowing for a single agri-food regulatory structure. But you'll still need customs on the border. You'll still need all all, all sorts of other things, won't yeah, you? Yeah,
0: and all that, I guess, will have to be uh, will have to be worked out. And Irish officials who've spoken to me are very clear that you know the uh, some sort of an amalgam of the All Ireland zone for animals and agri foods plus. Uh, electronic monitoring plus technology on the border plus trusted trader schemes that even you take all those together, you're still a way short of the backstop. And it's at that point if that is what is on offer that the Commission and the Irish Government will have to make a judgment as to whether that is preferable to the heightened risk and it may be a probability at that stage of uh, of no deal. But that decision won't have to be made until such time as those proposals are put forward in a serious way by the British government. And that hasn't happened yet. But I think we are today a little bit closer to a position where those proposals might be made in earnest and in good faith. But by golly, we're uh, a distance away from it yet.
1: Pat, thanks for coming in today. And that is it for today's podcast. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon. And remember that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Acast or whatever your preferred podcast provider might be. You can also find us at irishtimes.com podcasts. You can mail me at hlynohan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. Until the next time, thanks for listening.